May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So I, uh, at 8 o'clock, when I got here this morning, I had to apologize to uh, Denise, the acolyte master, because the two acolytes who were scheduled for the 8 o'clock service, as they are the second and fourth Sundays of every month, were still in bed because I chose not to have a fight this morning. Um, so Ford and Walker and it seems like a couple dozen of their friends, I think it was like 10 of them, they were at my house last night way too late, way too loud, eating too much candy and pizza and whatever because my boys both had their birthdays in the last week. So it was a lot of fun. But, but as of yesterday, I now have two teenagers in my house. So just let, letting you know, if you have any questions at all about how to parent, about how the world operates, I have two kids at home that know all the answers. <laughs> but that's how we all feel when we're young, right? Like, I certainly had all the answers. Before I had kids, I knew how to parent. Uh, before I was ordained, I knew how to pastor a church. And then you do things, and you realize, well, well, maybe I don't actually know much at all. Or there's that idea, right? Like, I remember, like, in the time between I left high school and graduated college, my parents learned a whole lot in those five years. Right? There's this idea that the, the more we learn, the more we experience, the more we know, the less we really know and understand. And I think that happened to the guy we're going to talk about today. If you remember back, if you were here last week, um, we talked about Stephen. He was the first deacon. He was martyred. And there was a bit character in that story, just name mentioned in passing. It said they threw their coats at the feet of Saul. And so there's this guy we're introduced to in Acts 2 named Saul. Um, and, and we learn a little bit later in, in chapter 2 that Saul approved of the killing. And so what, what we know is that, that Saul's job as one of the Jewish leaders was to, to hunt down the followers of the way. The early followers of Jesus, Saul, his mission was to go out, seek them out, take care of them. And often that taking care of them looked like getting people to throw rocks at them. And so this is Saul that we know. This Saul thought he knew everything there was to know about God. This Saul knew what to expect of God. This Saul knew what God expected of him. This Saul knew that everything he needed to know about God could fit in the palm of his hand and sometimes be used as a rock against other people. But then this Saul had an experience where he met the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Saul became Paul, who we hear about today in Acts. Each week during the Easter season, we've been looking at lives that have been changed from the early followers of Jesus. Lives of disciples who were scared and then were fearless. Lives of folks who pushed others away and then welcomed them in. Lives of folks like Saul who have this experience, they meet Jesus, they see what this is all about, and their life is changed. And so today we pick up with Paul, and he's no longer um, going around hunting down um, followers of the way. Indeed, he is one of the leaders of the followers of the way. 
So what he's doing in this chapter of Acts is he's on one of his missionary journeys. He goes to Greece. So he spends some time wandering around Athens, and he's going through town. He's looking at these statues. He's looking at these temples. He's looking at these monuments. He's looking at all of these things. And we hear today that, that he encountered this one altar in particular that he made note of. And he made note because this altar had an inscription on it. It said, to an unknown God. And I was thinking about that. I wonder if Paul's standing in front of this altar to an unknown God, this table to an unknown God. And maybe he starts to realize Maybe the God that I used to follow was unknown to me. Maybe the God that I thought I followed was unknown to me. Maybe Paul started to realize that the God's altar, the God's table, was bigger than he thought. Because we can't ever fully know or understand God. We can't think we have God all figured out. Usually when we think we have it all figured out, usually when we think we're on the right track with God, that's when bad things start to happen, and that's when we become the people who pick up rocks. So Paul, after he's been going through town, he's been preaching in the synagogues, he's been preaching in the marketplaces, he's been Um, interacting with leaders, with Stoics and philosophers and all these folks, and he's having these conversations and he's going around, and these leaders in in the town of Athens, they catch wind of this and, and they bring Paul to the Areopagus. The Areopagus was kind of a cultural and legal center of Athens. So there's this some some idea that Paul just doesn't go there to like give a sermon. There's there's some thought that maybe he's there to defend himself because he's being charged with something or at least accused of something. And so Paul's standing there in front of this group in this place that's dedicated to Ares, right? Areopagus means rock of Ares. And so Paul's standing in this place and he mentions that he was walking around and that he saw this altar to an unknown God. And so Paul starts to tell these folks, he's like, hey, you know that altar to an unknown God? Let me tell you about the God that I'm learning more and more about. You know this altar to an unknown God? I think that we're talking the same language but using different words. You know this altar to an unknown God? Let me tell you what I know to be true about God. Paul explains to them that he believes this unknown God has been made known in Jesus Christ. He explains that God doesn't live in shrines built by human hands. God isn't gold or silver that can be formed and imagined by humans. God is bigger than he imagined. Paul goes on to say that God gives all mortals life and breath. From one ancestor, God made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. Here's what I think Paul is saying. God isn't a God that is made in our image. God isn't a God that's formed by our hands. God isn't a God that fits our imagination. Because God is bigger than our disagreements, whatever they may be. 
God is bigger than whatever differences and worldviews we might have. God is bigger than just our team. This becomes clear in many of the letters that Paul writes later on in his ministry. In particular, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Galatia, where he writes, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The world is full of people from different backgrounds, The world is full of people with different beliefs. The world is full of people with different answers to different questions. The church is full of the same thing, people with different beliefs and traditions and customs. This church is the same way. I talk to many of you, and you have different beliefs and different customs and different traditions. And sometimes those beliefs and customs and traditions rub up against somebody else. So here's the tricky part with Paul. What Paul is reminding us of is that God loves everyone. Not just the people we prefer. When I stand up here every week and say that everyone is welcome at God's table... What I'm saying is that God's table is big enough for all of us. God's table is big enough for the people I agree with. Thankfully, God's table is big enough for the people that I don't understand. And so when you accept that invitation and you come up here, you might kneel next to someone. You might receive Christ's body and blood next to someone with whom you have serious disagreements. And I'm not here to... To make light of that, we can have disagreements about things. But faithful Christians approach the table. Faithful Christians come to God's table knowing that it's big enough for all of us. God's table is big enough for people we disagree with. God's table is big enough for disagreement God's table is big enough for different answers to the same question. God's table is big enough for me and for you. Amen.